Miracy. Yeah, I liked his advice too, to just be bold. If this course idea or your idea for a niche you want to pursue matters to you, like just go for it. <laughs> you know, go talk to people, get start getting the ideas going. Don't worry about perfection, but yeah, just like go work on what you care about. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eaney, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Our guest today is Chris Badgett. Chris is the CEO of Lifter LMS, and he's been on the show previously to talk about the evolution of the online courses landscape and how they're approaching that with their technology. But today he's here to talk about his selection of organic gardening and permaculture courses. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Danny. So we're not going to do the whole long backstory, but for people who missed the last episode that you were on, just give us the Cliff Notes version of who you are, what you do, how you came to be doing what you're doing, and how that led to these really interesting online courses. So the quick version is I'm an outdoor adventure guy. I spent a lot of time backpacking, climbing, mountaineering. I ran sled dogs in Alaska for about a decade. And after that period of my life, I decided I really wanted to build an online business. And I've always been into things like organic gardening, permaculture, natural healing, and stuff like that. So my first online business idea besides building websites for clients, which is something I also did, I wanted to create a product. So I decided to explore the world of um, teaching organic gardening and permaculture. And for those who might be wondering, what exactly is permaculture? Well, I think a lot of us know what organic means, but permaculture kind of builds on top of that into, it's a whole movement that kind of started in the 70s. So it's basically about not just removing chemicals and, um, you know, keeping things as natural as possible, but also creating environments that actually get stronger and better over time where plants and animals kind of work together to create um, a flourishing, not just supply of food, but environment and ecosystem and space for living. Got it. So what are the topics of the courses that, that you have? Our most popular one is a permaculture design course. And this is where I really discovered how big of an opportunity was here. But I've people were paying thousands of dollars and getting on planes and flying around the world to various permaculture design workshops for people that were really into permaculture. And through these immersive programs, you could become certified as a permaculture designer. And a lot of people were just doing it for their own property to learn how to transform their existing land or farm into a you know a permaculture ecosystem but others also wanted to get the certification to be able to work in the field and just to give you like a startling visual example one of the coolest things in permaculture and we have a course on specifically on this topic is about creating a food forest and this is literally where you can go into places even deserts desertification is a huge problem in the world where the land has been overused and climate change and everything else. And, and it, where you have a challenge of desert uh, area increasing in certain places. But with the right 
techniques, you can actually come into a desert area and transform it back into a whole food forest, which has edible plants growing at ground level, kind of up a little bit off the ground and even up in the trees and stuff like that. And you can literally regenerate an entire ecosystem. So for many people, they just want to, um, you know, do it on their own property, but there are bigger permaculture initiatives that happen kind of like at the city and state level as well. And which of those is your target customer? That's a good question. This is a project I started, I believe it was 2012, somewhere around then. And when I started, I wasn't as good at marketing and business and, you know, kind of identifying the target market. So I just went after the whole niche. And I also did this with my wife, who is much more of the farmer gardener than myself. Even though I'm into all that stuff, she's way better at it. But what we did is we partnered with experts all over the world. And so what what I would do at first was I would drive over to their in-person events that they were having. And I would bring my video camera and I would film the event and I'd work out a business deal with the expert. And these are internationally known experts, like the most popular books on Amazon on these various niche topics kind of people. So they already had an audience. So pretty much I was targeting more of the the solo, small person who wants to learn. And they're already kind of spending money and traveling to these experts. The permaculture design course, the bigger course we did, I actually traveled to Costa Rica for that one. And I also even flew in a professional uh, videographer to actually capture really high quality video footage. So I, I was kind of working with the market that already existed. I was just trying to take an industry online that was predominantly, you know, happening out in the countryside or at various kind of eco retreats that they just, there wasn't that much online. So I was a part of bringing some of these people and these projects and the learning into the online world, because this is a very offline target market. That's really interesting. And what were, if you're comfortable and able to share, what were some of the deal dynamics with these thought leaders? You know, I actually learned a lot and I made some big mistakes that I recognize now that I did not know at the time. So I pretty much kept it simple in that we're going to do a 50-50 partnership. And the mistake I made was that, and I had a contract that I got developed. You know, I looked a lot at the book industry and how royalties work and things like that. So I had a pretty good contract, but I wanted to be the good guy and not give like a 3% royalty or whatever, like a traditional book publisher or movie producer or that kind of thing. But over time, what I found is I was doing a lot more of the work so I would structure it differently today than what I did back then. But essentially what I did is I did a 50-50 partnership also with an agreement that they would help promote it on their websites, which was very helpful from a traffic perspective and stuff like that. And that was pretty much the deal, 50-50, and, and they promote it. And I also got affiliates involved and stuff like that too. Awesome. And what do you charge for these programs? I know a lot more about pricing now than I did back then, but an interesting thing about the permaculture and the organic gardening market is it can be very price sensitive. So organic farmers, especially um, kind of young and up and coming ones, don't necessarily have a lot of financial resources. So a lot of these courses were low ticket in the you know twenty to a hundred dollar range, and our biggest one, the permaculture design course, was 
225. So it, it was a low ticket price point. And, and these were also and did just it work. Say again. Like, so at the low price point, did it work by virtue of the partners you were working with and the audiences they were able to bring? Like, was it, was it meaningful and worthwhile for you? Or is that more in the lessons learned, do differently kind of camp? I would put it in the more lessons learned, do differently kind of camp. And another thing, just to mention a tragedy, is the top selling author in the world, his name is Toby Hemingway, on the topic of permaculture. We had a couple courses with him. And he ended up passing away. So his, so it got pretty complicated. You know, I learned a lot there. The cool thing is with the low price point is that these are really just kind of like masterclass, self-study, you know, video courses. But at the end of the day, without having the support of the experts, and these people are, you know, really advanced in their field from a permaculture or organic beekeeping kind of thing that. You couldn't just hire somebody to step in and coach it uh, with this really niche expertise. That may be a limiting belief on my part, but I think in hindsight, it would have been better to charge more, get less customers, and figuring out a way for the expert to kind of support people as questions emerge. So that was a, I would put that in the lesson learned category. And from a, you asked about how impactful was it, this, this project for a couple reasons. One, because of how the large percentage that also get, went to the expert, the low price point, and the lack of you know support outside of the, the content itself, it really remained in side hustle status. So my best months were around a couple grand, and that was, that was it. And, and also keeping in mind, I had to split half that money and I had affiliates to pay. So for me, it was a, it was a big learning experience. The best, the best thing about it, though, was really learning that you can partner with the, some of the best experts in the world on various topics, and you don't necessarily have to create everything yourself. That was a big lesson I learned. So yeah, Chris, curious to hear more about how you were able to like, help people learn these topics in depth online, considering that the key skills and techniques that people are teaching here, you know, you and, and the experts are hands-on, right? They are practical techniques that you are digging in the dirt and building things with your hands, uh, which you cannot do, you know, from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. So yeah, I would love to hear more about how are you actually able to transition a week-long intensive program where you're getting your hands dirty to an online format and, and help people get results from it. Yeah, the, uh, there's different types of content. You know, you've got the talking head or the screen share, or in this case, I would call this like action motion video, which I think is the hardest to do in an online course. I mean, even a yoga studio has a confined space and you can control the lighting and stuff like that. Um, so really, one of the big lessons here is just do it. So I'm not a great videographer. I'm not bad. I've spent some time learning about video and photography and stuff. But my first course on here, which was how to grow a medicinal food forest, it's I don't my camera's not stable. It's not always on a tripod. I'm having to move around constantly and film as the instructors like doing all this stuff and putting these things in the ground and mixing these things up. And then so the quality of the content was not the best, especially the earlier ones. So then also what I learned is to hire a professional to come in. So then later, let's say for the organic beekeeping course, 
Um, I actually didn't attend that one, but I, I found somebody on Craigslist who was a beekeeper and also a videographer to go and to really produce much higher quality than I was doing. For the bigger permaculture design course, it was essentially laid out two sessions in the morning, two sessions in the afternoon, you know, with meal breaks and all that stuff. So the lesson structure was already kind of set up where it was these different teaching sessions. There was a method, like you could basically see what the course outline or syllabus was going to be um, as they work through it. But some of them are a little more just kind of stream of consciousness as somebody's like just teaching and going from one thing to the other. And really it's just cutting things up when it makes sense. Be like, okay, we're doing this thing with the soil now. Now we're going to do this thing with the plants and dividing those into different lessons. It was like being in a, a classroom or a workshop, but just filmed. That's essentially all it was. So really your primary focus was on making sure that people had high quality, you know, video content to refer to. And then they're, they're going out and implementing these techniques on their own. Yeah. And, and also just keep in mind, because this is so niche, like if you've never even heard of a food forest, like that's a really niche topic. Just the fact of getting this valuable information online uh, for what's traditionally not really easy to find on the internet, you it could kind of make up for really professional you know, design or instructional design and stuff. It was just such, such niche content that the people that wanted it really wanted it, that the quality or, or the instructor style or whatever had some forgiveness in it. So yeah, it was more about the strength of this unmet need as opposed to kind of raising the bar on some existing, you know, course that was already filling that need. Absolutely. And because these folks are typically pretty good instructors in the field. They're good teachers. They know what they're doing. So their methods and their techniques and the ways they teach in the field, it translates over to video pretty well. Do you have, I guess, kind of general reflections or lessons learned advice for other course creators who also want to build in a really niche area like this in terms of how to get started, how to to create and market courses successfully in a, in a very specific niche? One of the things is just to be bold and, and to really go work with experts. Um, we almost landed our top expert, like literally the number one best-selling book in the world on permaculture. The guy was doing a workshop. I didn't even think we could get him. And I just said to my wife, just reach out to him. I found this, I found his email and just ask him, she was like, what do you want me to say? I was like, just ask him. I was joking. And I said, ask him where he wants us to send the check. <laughs> like, give him the deal and say that. And then she she said exactly that. And he was like, sure, I'll do it. So you just kind of got to be bold. Um, the other thing is, if you're going to work with experts to focus on strong contracts, and at the time, I couldn't afford to pay them for the rights to the material, just fl one flat fee. If you can do that, do that. Like I would much rather have paid 500 bucks or a thousand bucks or $5,000 to get the content one time than have the rights to do whatever I want to. Um, the next thing is to really stay super focused. I was at the same time also building a web design business and then also a software business. So as I started to get more success with my other businesses, I stopped putting as much attention on this. And this could have done a lot more 
better if I had just stayed focused on the niche, but I was just kind of pulled partially because of the better economics I was getting in my other ventures. Also, just don't underestimate your ability to add value because even though my wife's an awesome organic gardener and into permaculture and stuff herself, and you know, I was a newer, newish online entrepreneur at the time, but even us, we're not the best online business people. We're not the best permaculture people, but we were still able to make a great project and connect with the top influence influencers in the niche. So don't discount what you bring to the table if you're looking to explore this kind of publishing model. Wow, great advice. This was great. I don't have anything else. Awesome. Let me find the readout. Chris Badgett is the CEO of Lifter LMS, as well as the host of several organic gardening and permaculture courses. To learn more about him and what he's got to offer, check out organiclifeguru.com. That's organiclifeguru.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. All right. So uh, we've probably all heard this idea that you should narrow your focus, right? You should have a specific niche. Uh, you may have even heard the phrase that the riches are in the niches. So this is not necessarily a new idea that you should have a clear focus for your business, the people you're serving, and the types of courses you want to offer. But I think for many people, it's challenging to do when that idea is just presented as this abstract advice that you're supposed to follow. Um, but Chris gave us here a really nice example of what does that actually look like? Like here's a very clear and specific and narrowly focused niche where he was able to build a meaningful online course business in an area where you might initially think like, wow, that niche is like way too small or obscure or an area where people would never buy courses about that. But in fact, he, he showed that people are happy um, to buy online courses about gardening and beekeeping and permaculture, even though these are very hands-on physical skills that you might not intuitively think people want to learn online. It turns out there are tons and tons of people who are not being served by the in-person learning opportunities because they can't travel to them or they're too long, too expensive, et cetera. So even in this very hands-on physical niche, there's a, a clear role for online learning. So it's just you know very cool to see that application of these broad principles we often talk about really see it in action. Yeah, I really like that. You know, what else jumped out to me was the business model of working with existing experts in the field, because so many people go into a space and they feel intimidated or overwhelmed. Look at all these big experts here who I don't have anywhere near their level of expertise. How can I possibly compete? And in this way, Chris essentially turned potential competitors into collaborators by just looking at how can we work together? What's the win-win? And I think the really interesting nuance here is that people sometimes come to me and they say, hey, can I build a course that I don't know anything about it and just work with experts? And that's tricky, right? It's hard to, to make that work. It's not impossible, but it's hard. But what Chris did is said, let's look at something that I do know about and that I am interested in, that I do have subject matter expertise in, and collaborate with someone who knows it even more and also brings the name recognition and the audience. So I thought that was really interesting from a business model perspective. 
And the other thing that I guess I really appreciated was the transparency and openness in just sharing the things that didn't work out. And I have the privilege of working with a lot of people who are very mission-driven and giving and contribution-oriented, and they really want to be generous. And you know, Chris is oriented exactly the same way. And he shared how that desire to make it accessible and focus on low prices and be generous with his partners really ended up hamstringing him in terms of eating into the business's sustainability and his ability to dedicate the attention it would have taken to make it into something larger and farther reaching and more successful. And so it's always really important to be strategic about the business model and making sure that you are earning the money that you need to justify the investment in creating the experience. And you can always be generous later, right? You can make money and it can land in your bank account, then you can give it all to charity or you can be generous with other people in the form of bonuses or or whatever. But you can't do that if the money is never yours, at least for a little while. So that's a really important takeaway as well. I guess unless you, again, strategically, thoughtfully make the decision that that aspect of what you're doing is really just going to be about the mission and you're not even going to worry about the business model and you're financially supported in some other way. So like another direction Chris could have gone in would have been just focusing on his you know, web development and, and course platform work and, you know, just give the gardening courses away or not worry about how much revenue they're generating because that it's basically just his uh, passion. But again, I think the important thing is not to stumble into that, but to, to think it through and decide like, how is it going to work so that you do feel financially comfortable and you're not like desperate for every course sale? Well, it's not even about financial comfort. It's also about priorities, right? He was saying, you know, he probably could have made more into it, more out of it, I should say, if he could put more into it. But it was hard to justify that when, you know, he was doing so much better in the other side of his business, the other pursuits that he was engaged in. So that's a big function of it as well. Yeah, no, that's true. You know, the other thing that I really appreciated was the attitude of whatever you're doing, it's like, this is the thing you're doing now. And there will be something else later. And this is something that I think is lost on a lot of creators who get very caught up in the thing they're working on. It is their masterpiece. It is the course to end all courses. And the reality is that unless your expectation is that shortly after publishing whatever you're working on, you're going to go out of business or drop dead, this is just the next thing on the way to whatever comes after it. And, you know, Chris had courses that were less than perfect when he got started. And that led to more courses that were better. And then he realized challenges of the business model. And that led to more opportunities. And everything that you do is a step on the way to whatever comes after it. And there's a lot of value to just plowing forward and continuing to learn and iterate, not worrying that the thing you worked on today, which 10 years from now will be the thing you worked on a decade ago, isn't perfect because you know 10 years from now, you're not going to care. Yeah, I like his advice too, to just be bold. If this course idea or your idea for a niche you want to pursue matters to you, like just go for it. <laughs> you know, go talk to people, get start getting the ideas going. Don't worry about perfection, but yeah, just like go work on what you care about. That's all I got. All right. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with Danny Eaney, founder and CEO of Miracy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes Just Between Coaches, Making It, and Once Upon a Business. 
This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Eni is our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. Another thanks to Chris Badgett for taking the time to chat with us again. You can find about more about the courses discussed in today's episode at organiclifeguru.com. That's organiclifeguru.com. We have a lot of interesting episodes coming up on Course Lab, so we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss any of them. And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a star review. It really does make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. You know, earlier today, my wife put our goats behind my office and their goats can get kind of loud and they started to get really loud in some of my meetings earlier today. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind the scenes kind of thing. Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen, and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. 
I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. Why are you stopping the recording? This is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.